0: Well good morning Trinity Church. Wonderful singing this morning. Wasn't that good to sing together this morning? Thank you to the music team who led us this morning and your work to to lead us. It's good to be with God's people and to be able to sing together. Um, whatever, whatever state you find yourself in this morning, and I know there's a lot going on in all of our lives, it's good to be with God's people to be able to sing and to hear truth as we sing together. I hope you were able to to mean what you were singing this morning. I hope you were taking time to think about what you were actually singing. And as we read through the scripture, we were taking time to actually think about what we were reading, that we weren't just going through the motions. I'm just going to challenge you, when we come together uh, and we're singing and we're reading scripture, this is for our good and for our shaping and for our thinking, and I hope that you are taking advantage of that. Some really, really, really important truths that we were uh, meditating on this morning together. We have come to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through thirty one and we have been four weeks into our series on Genesis and we're not yet out of chapter one uh, that will go a lot faster here in the upcoming weeks our goal is still to get through chapter eleven by the time Christmas arrives and so we do have some uh, we do have some work to do uh, but this will be our last week in Genesis one and and it's important for us to take this week. It's important for us to stop and think about verse 26 through 31 of Genesis 1 because this given the structure of Genesis 1 and how it is written and and what its focus is on, this seems to be the point or the exclamation point of Genesis chapter 1. This seems to be where the focus is drawn, and so we want to take a week and and think about what it is saying. So if you would find there Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. I'm going to read verse 26 through 31, and if you would please join me in standing out of honor for God's word. I know that is not as easy for all of us as it is, you know, for, for some of us. So I, I appreciate you standing. If you're not able to stand, don't feel bad about that. I saw Bridget's face as she was standing over there. How, how, how close are we, Bridget? Uh, any day now? Yeah, any day. So she's great with child over there. And when I said stand, she was like, okay, we're, here, we do, here we go. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Follow along as I read there. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Has there ever been a time, has there ever been an age in human history where mankind has boasted more about our knowledge and yet at the very same time been more confused about who we are and what we are here to do? Has there ever been a has ever been a time has there ever been an age where man has been more proud more sure more confident in what we know and what we can know what we've discovered what we've created what we've accomplished and yet live as mankind we live in such darkness and confusion and despair For all we know, suicide rates are through the roof. Homes are fractured at alarming rates. We live in a society today where a man can stand up and tell everyone that he's actually a woman. And we have to be okay with that. We have to affirm him. This man who is obviously confused and hurting. Not knowing up from down and left from right. He is sure of himself as a woman. And we have to be okay with this. What a confusing time we live in, isn't it? Are you confused this morning about who you are? Are you you confused this morning about your life? What your life is for? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31 tells us that man... Was created distinct from all creation. Mankind was created as God's image upon the earth. This passage is well known. It's a well worn passage, most quoted, debated passage in the most debated section of scripture. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 31 which we just read seems to be the section of emphasis for Genesis chapter 1. This is what everything is leading to here in Genesis 1. As we said last week, And you can hear it as you read through Genesis 1. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. As God creates, he uses his word and his spirit to create the heavens and the earth. And God said, and God said. But then when we get to verse 26, it stops and it says, then, then God said. And God deliberates Then God said, let us make man in our image. God is directly involved in the creating of man. He has used his word and his spirit, but now he reaches down with his own hands and he makes, he creates. Instead of saying, let there be man, he forms man from the ground. this is a very important passage. It's not an easy passage. It's actually a very complicated passage. If you look at it, if you pull it apart grammatically, syntactically, it has a lot of questions. This is further complicated by the fact that Everybody brings their own precious theologies to the passage and kind of forces them on the passage throughout church history. That's been the case because it's such an important passage. People people want to use it for their own theology support their own theological frameworks There are several competing views. I want to give this to you right up front. Several competing views of what the terms image and likeness. When it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Several views of what that might be referring to. And if we were in a systematic theology class, we we might list them all out for you and have you reproduce them on an exam or something. But for our purposes here, This morning, we are basically interested in two lines of thinking. And these two lines of thinking regarding image and likeness, these two lines of thinking are what you're going to hear most often. Okay? This is what's commonly accepted, these two lines of thinking. The most common belief throughout church history is the idea that man being made in God's image speaks to how man is made. In other words, image and likeness are structural. Therefore, image of God is something man possesses because of how he is made. You hear this when someone talks about man's intelligence or ability to reason or capacity for memory or ability to speak. You've all heard that, right? So image according to this line of thinking, is something we as man possess. Indeed, there's truth here. We are distinct from the rest of creation in these ways. However, this idea, this idea of image being how we are made, or something we possess, this idea first appeared in the first century with a Jewish philosopher named Philo, and it is a foreign idea to the ancient Near Eastern context. In other words, you would be hard-pressed to prove that this is the way that Moses intended it. This kind of thinking was foreign to Moses and the people that he's writing to. Not, Not that there's not truth in it. We actually see, scripturally, that there is some truth in this idea. But this is not what Moses had in mind. And it's important that we get back to what Moses would have meant to say and intended to say to his original audience. Now, for the last 100 years, that's that's one line of thinking, but for the last 100 or so years in church history, theologians have begun to emphasize the image and likeness of God as referring to function or how man functions. So on one hand, we have this structural idea. On the other, we have a functional idea. Indeed, in the text, Genesis 1, we see image of God being connected to command, to doing something. Along this line of thinking, you'll hear people talk about imaging God as man makes or invents or exhibits mastery over creation. Indeed, we do. As man participates in creation. This is amazing. Man participates in creation through procreation. It's incredible. So, along with this functional idea, image is what man does. Image is what man does. We image God. Again. A lot of truth to this we are indeed given rule and told to multiply and this is without question connected to us being made in the image of God however however once again this idea is not exactly what Moses has in mind so so both of these ideas have been theological ideas that have developed later and then forced upon the text Because they fit a theology. And there's truth in them. We don't want to leave them completely. But what is it that Moses would have had in mind? What is it that the ancient Near Eastern context would have thought or heard when these terms, image and likeness, are used? What is Moses wanting the original audience to see or to understand? If we stop and consider the context in which moses is writing remember the people he is writing to have come out of egypt and they have been saturated with egypt's culture and egypt's false worship the ideas that egypt have egypt has they're surrounded also by other pagan nations and their false gods given these contexts How would Israel have heard the idea of being made image of God? And we find in these other contexts, Egyptian and other Mesopotamian belief systems, they have this concept of image and likeness. It's fascinating that they actually talk about image and likeness. So how do they mean it? And what is that? How does that connect to the the passage? There's a whole heap of grammatical, syntactical questions and arguments and debates. I'm, I'm, I'm boiling it down for you, okay? I'm giving you the, the product of all this. In Egypt, and these other Mesopotamian places, the king, the king of the nation, the king or ruler of a territory, was thought to be the image or living statue of, Of a god. This was not to imply that they looked like the god physically. In other words, you could have have a female goddess with a male image. So it wasn't about physical representation. Rather, they were the living representative of a particular god's Person or power or authority. The behavior then of the king, the rule of the king reflected the behavior and rule of their God. With this, there's a strong tie between the God of whatever nation and the king. As a son or as offspring of their God. Along with the term likeness, the emphasis seems to be on the relationship between the king and the God, and then the relationship between the king and the territory. So there's this two way relationship. The king. He has a relationship to this God as a son, image, representative, and he has a relationship to the territory as a king, as a ruler. The king, or living statue, represents the God's power and dominion wherever he goes. And this this makes sense, right? If you were a king, you would set up your image in all the places where your power is and your dominion reaches. The king would be that living representative, that living statue of the domain or the dominion of their God. So wherever that king's image was, the the idea is that God reigns and that God is supreme there. In summary, then, the terms image and likeness imply two things. Rulership and sonship. Rulership and sonship. The image is the living representative of, of the God as, is the living representative, as a son ruler. This is how, I believe, Moses understood it. And all of those listening would have understood it. Therefore, image, image, is not something man merely possesses. Image is not something man merely possesses. Image is not something mankind does. Image is who mankind is. Image Image is who we are. An image of God is our identity. Now, the difference between, and this, this is important, right? We look at the ancient Near Eastern context to get an understanding of language and background, but we know that Moses isn't saying the same thing exactly as these other pagan nations, right? He's playing off of their language, the language that Israel would have understood. The difference between Egypt and their concept of ancient Near Eastern image and what Moses intends to say to Israel is this get this image of God is not for some special class of people, image of God is how he has made every man and every woman. Every man and every woman is royalty. The title of royalty is not reserved for just one man. But every man and every woman is made to be the living representative of God. Every man and woman is made to be a son ruler. Of God You think I'm stretching this? Just listen to Psalm 8. You know Psalm 8, Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is this beautiful meditation I think of Genesis, on Genesis 1. Listen to Psalm 8. "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him, who? Man. You have made man a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him, With glory and honor. What does that sound like? You have crowned him. Man, you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And the psalmist goes on to talk specifically about all these things that are under the feet of man and then concludes by saying again, "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What does that that sound like? What does Psalm 8 sound like? Psalm 8 is backing up what I just said. Man was made to be royalty, crowned with glory and honor. See, I didn't actually need all that technical language. I didn't need to read all those. It's right there in Psalm 8. True humanity. Get this. True humanity. True humanness. Is royalty. Royalty. Image of God. Made for relationship with God as his offspring made to relate to mankind and the rest of creation as ruler, king. This is what man was made to be. I would further argue that what we possess and what we do while these don't define image these are the results of us being image. God has given us reasoning and speaking and thinking abilities because of who he has made us to be. Our ruling and our procreation is not what makes us image, but is the result of being image. So, anyone, anyone who lacks intelligence or ability to reason or think Those with severe disabilities or hindrances, get this, they are not any less image of God. Along with this, and and I will say this here, the duality of gender, the duality of gender is not necessary for man to image God. What the duality of gender is necessary for is to rule and multiply and fill the earth. Again, to carry out the functions of being image. These are the functions of image and not image itself. All mankind, every man and woman is the image of God. Every man and woman has royal blood flowing through their veins. That is who you are. This is who you are. This is your dignity. Now, I'm, I'm far enough into the message. This is not where you're supposed to give the title. I don't title my messages. I'm just not that creative of a person, I guess. But if I were to entitle this message, I would steal it from a book that I, I think has a great title, right? Image of God, our dignity, and our destiny. This is our dignity. And, and this dignity, this royal status, get this, this royal status, this is true of every person in this room. It's true of every human being, no matter where they find themselves this morning, no matter whether they find themselves in the gutters of life, no matter what what condition they find themselves in this morning, this is true of every human being. We were created image of God doesn't matter what language, what nationality, what skin color, what, what educational background, what intelligence level, it matters not. We were made image of God. It is true of every unborn child. Image of God. Even at the embryonic stage of life. Image of God. is who we are. I told you a few weeks ago that every morning you need to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself I am not God. Has anybody done that since I said do that? It would be good for you to do that. Look yourself in the mirror and say I am not God. I am not even a little g God. The life that I'm going to live today is not about me. It would be good for us to remember that, right? None of us possess the power to make our own realities. None of us exist to, to define reality for ourselves. None of us rule in our own authority. The universe doesn't revolve around us. The workplace doesn't revolve around us. Have you realized that? The workplace doesn't revolve around you. The classroom, students, doesn't revolve around you. Even our homes don't revolve around us. But, once you've looked yourself in the mirror and said, I am not God, you need to follow that up with, I am not God, but I am made in his image. This is who we are. I am made image of God. Three relationships then that come out of this. Three relationships, three relationships that define you and your dignity. First, you were made, hear this, you were made for a relationship with God. You were made for a relationship with God. You are made as God's image upon the earth. As we've already said, you want to know who you are? You want to know who you are to God? You want to know who you are this morning to God? I want you to know and I want you to understand that you are more precious to him than anything else that he has made in creation. Go out and look at creation and the beauty of creation. Go go out and look at it. Stare at it. Look how beautiful it is. Look how precious it is. You are more precious to him than anything else that he has made in creation. Because you are his image upon the earth. Again, that means you were made for dignity. You were made for nobility. You were made for honor. Honor. You are made royalty. You are made for glorious things. Irenaeus. Irenaeus says, the glory of God is a man fully alive. The glory of God is a man fully alive. This is who you are. I've got to stop and ask you very, very briefly, all too briefly. What lies have you believed about who you are? What lies have you believed, even today, even this week, of who you are? What lies have you believed? The world has an identity for you. Did you know that? People are very ready and willing to hand out your identity, to give you an identity, and we are all too willing to listen The world has an identity for you, right? You are a demographic to be marketed to, to be used for financial gain. That's who you are to the world. To the world, you are a voting block. That's who you are. To be manipulated, to be pressured, to be wooed. We can list out so many, right? You're a millennial. What in the world does that mean? I don't know what that means. Or you are your diagnosis. Or you are an addict. Or you are blue collar. You are white collar. And we could go on and on and on about all the things that we actually believe about ourselves, believe that define us. But who are you to God? Your image. You were made to make his glory known on the earth. That is what we mean, by the way, when we say we, we were made to glorify God. You and I were made to make the glory of God visible on the earth. That's what we were made for. This means that God alone holds the secret to your life's meaning and worth. God alone is the one who gives your life value and purpose. He alone is the one we should turn to to understand who we are. And we should reject the lies that we hear and believe every day. You are not defined how the world defines you. God has made us his image. This then shapes our relationship. Relationship number two. So we were made to relate to God. We were made for a relationship with God. We were also made for a relationship with other people. This shapes our relationship with mankind. As God's image, we are to reflect him in our relationships with other people. We were made for goodness and kindness and strength. We were made for righteousness and holiness and purity. That's what we were made for. We were made to procreate and fill up the earth. We were made to cover the earth with his image. Thus covering the earth with his glory. And we were made both male and female in his image. What if we saw ourselves and others with this royal status? What if we saw ourselves and each other with this royal status? What if this understanding of ourselves and of other people actually governed the way we see and treat other people? Instead of dehumanizing people that don't agree with us, Instead of degrading them or using them for our own pleasure, that's what we do, isn't it? We use mankind to glorify ourselves, to make much of ourselves. I want want you to know, you need to hear this. Other people were not made for you. Other people were not made for you. They were made for God. God. They are not to be treated as you would treat them for your own purposes. They were made as image of God. And as God's image, we collectively, mankind, we stand in relationship to his creation. We were made for a relationship with God. We were made for relationship, right relationship, just relationship with others. And we were made in relationship to his creation. We were made to care for it. We were made to cultivate it. We were made to develop and protect it. We were made for good, hard, satisfying work. This is what we were made for. We were made to make things ourselves with beauty and purpose. Listen, I know, I know that there are a lot of people who act like men or mankind is the problem with the earth, right? Like if we could just eradicate man if we could just get rid of, rid of man from off the face of the earth then the earth might actually have a chance that's what we're told right Th- this, this, is, this is a common lie again man is polluter no no man is not polluter man is image of God and we were made to take care of the earth that's what we were made for don't believe that lie To some, we are nothing more than parasites that live on the earth, right? Leeches sucking the life out of quote-unquote mother nature. This is a lie. Creation was made to be taken care of by us. Do you see who you were made to be? Do you see, are you starting to get a picture of what you were made to be? You were made for a relationship with God. You are made for a relationship with others. A righteous, holy, pure relationship. You were made in relationship to creation. To take care of it. To work on it. To create. To make. To protect. To nurture. This is what you were made for. And this accounts, well, this accounts for the longing in you and in me for something more, Right? See, I know that every single one of us has that within them. You want something more than this. It has to be better than this. It has to be more than this. There's something that's got to be better than this. I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied with the way it is. Did you know, and this, this is a hard thing, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to go off on an excursus. Did you know that ambition is really good? Ambition is good. Did you know that? Now, now, selfish ambition is deadly. Oh, but ambition is good. And you all have it. You have ambition. You want to make things right. Why is that? Because you are God's image. That's what you're made for. This accounts for the longing in us. We were made for something grander, something better. Something more fulfilling than this. Down deep, we all know what we are and what we're made to be. So what's happened? What's happened to us? Every theologian, and we're going to get to this in chapter 3. We're going to talk about sin a lot more in chapter 3, I promise. Every theologian, everyone who seeks to define image, okay? Every one who studies Genesis 1 believes that the image has in some way been marred or distorted and this is true however if you hold on to the structural or functional idea of image it's very difficult to define what that marring or distortion actually is it's it's kind of a hard thing to pin down I believe very simply, the marring or distortion of image is simply this. We do not glorify God as we were created to glorify God. We are his image, but we refuse to live as image. Listen to it this way. Let me put it this way. We were made as royalty, as image, as sun king of of the earth, right? Relationship to God, relationship to others, relationship to earth. We were made as image. We were made as royalty.